You don't really need to know, or probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday Seven. In today's episode, monkeypox becomes a global health emergency, TikTok puts Google in second place, and the oldest animal predator is discovered. But first, it was in this day in 2003, wearing a special suit with carbon fire wings across his back, Felix Baumgartner became the first man to cross the English Channel by unpowered flight. The monkeypox outbreak has been declared a global health emergency by the World Health Organization. Announced at a media briefing in Geneva, the WHO Director General said 16,000 cases of the disease have been reported in more than 75 countries and five people have died. We have an outbreak that has spread around the world rapidly through new modes of transmission about which we understand too little and which meets the criteria in the international health regulations. For all of these reasons, I have decided that the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. The virus can spread through direct contact with the rash, scabs or body fluids of an infected person. The overwhelming majority of those affected are men who have sex with men, but the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has also reported the first two cases in children. It can be a serious disease with the case fatality rate around 3-6%, to but the vast majority of people manage to recover at home without hospitalisation or medication. For health experts, this virus outbreak is still concerning. Greg Gonzalez, an epidemiologist from the Yale School of Public Health, has shared his thoughts with PBS NewsHour. In the US, where Greg is based, there are around 3,300 confirmed cases of monkeypox. Compared to the numbers we've seen with COVID, it doesn't sound like much, but Greg has called this a crisis. Let's talk about May 2022. There were no cases in the United States. Uh, And we've gone from um, that to to, to over 3,000 in the US. We went from zero to to close to to, to 17,000, 18,000 around the world um, in in a matter of time, going from... um, uh, a small series of countries uh, in Western Central Africa where the disease has been endemic, it's now over 70 countries around the world in which this outbreak is, is, is coming to pass. Around the world, the pace of the vaccine rollouts have been heavily criticised. The speed of the rollout depends on how many doses of vaccine a country has available. For the NHS, more than 100,000 extra have been ordered, but they won't last very long. Chelsea and Westminster Foundation Trust has been given the most doses in the UK, but even there, doctors fear they could soon run out. Dr Lauren Bull is a sexual health consultant at West Middlesex University Hospital and shared her concerns to Sky News. We were initially given 4,000 doses of vaccine. We've already given out 1,500 in two weeks, and that's just as we were starting to ramp up our efforts. It is a massive source of concern for us that we are going to overpromise and underdeliver, and we don't want to be given out of vaccine appointments if we can't ensure that we've actually got the vaccine available to give. Across the pond, states are experiencing testing bottlenecks, supply of the treatment drug T-Pox, which has been tightly controlled, and the vaccine rollout painfully slow. You know, the big thing here is that we could have contained this outbreak. We could have stopped it in its tracks. Now the chance of it becoming endemic, of it digging its roots into the country, is quite imminent, right? And, and you know, we, we may be um, looking at living with monkeypox for a long time to come, not just in the, 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 gay, the gay community, mm-hmm. um, but if it spills over into other communities in which close physical contact is common, uh, homeless shelters, prisons, um, potentially other kinds of settings, health clubs. Um, we may be dealing with this on a much larger societal scale. It's absolutely unacceptable that a disease that could have been stopped in its tracks when we knew about it in May and early June is now heading towards uh, several thousand more cases 
uh, which were totally preventable. While experts say the virus is not as transmissible as COVID, it is hard to ignore the parallels, with the World Health Organization declaring the virus a global health emergency. We're now entering a critical moment to contain monkeypox. So we, we came into the COVID pandemic unprepared for what, what befell us. Um, you would have thought we would have fixed all these things or been on our way to it by 2022. Now we see a new pandemic, a new outbreak happening in the US and all the mistakes that happened in 2020, all the sort of um, deficiencies in our, our public health, our healthcare system, our social protection system are out on full display once again. And one has to wonder when we're gonna learn our lesson. Many, Google has long been considered the go-to for all things search, but for almost half of Gen Z, they prefer to discover information such as what skincare products work best or where to have lunch on other platforms. That's according to data shared by Prabhakar Raghaven, a senior vice president at Google. At a Fortune magazine event, he cited the company's internal research found that 40% of young people use TikTok or Instagram instead of Google Maps or Google Search. To dig deeper into what this might mean for Google and their competitor platforms, we spoke to a slightly hoarse Will Guyat. He's a technology journalist who worked for the likes of BBC Radio 2, LBC and lots of other places. So, Will, why are Gen Z moving away from Google? What's so special about these social media platforms that's grabbing this generation? Well, it's certainly going to alarm Google that people are moving away from it after all these years. But it doesn't surprise me with viewing habits and how people come to use platforms in ways even that the creators didn't intend. I think both Instagram and TikTok have really hooked the imagination of people of all ages, actually, and really know how to serve up content. I always know I want to keep scrolling and seeing what else I can see on the platform, uh, seeing what other people are posting. And I think that's spread in many ways now. So people use it to get their news. They've got accounts that they follow. Uh, there's, you know, all the all the reg- their regular TikTokers, people that they want to keep, keep their eyes on. So that's why people are getting more and more of their news and more and more of their search through you know, using platforms in this way. Should they be worried? Is TikTok killing search engines like Google? Well, it's interesting. I don't think it will kill Google, but I think there will be some existential conversations. We've seen how, you know, a newspaper or even, you know, websites to a degree are completely alien now to people under the age of 20. And we're going to see more and more of that. And there's going to be this further move away from uh, what people of my age, you know, 30s and 40s think is acceptable. We're going to see a bigger move away from those platforms. And I think Google's biggest challenge is it's never massively invested in social media or platforms of its own. It's tried with bits and pieces in the past, but it's never got there. And, you know, it's had opportunities to look at buying platforms like TikTok, Twitter, other platforms before, and it's always straight away. But Google will probably now be looking about how it can combat this and what it can do uh, to get people back using its services for search. Could we soon see Google shaking things up and offering short form video to claw back that market share? I think what typically happens is several years after it's been made popular by uh, the up and coming services, everybody else follows suit Um, for something like a search search and how people search for content on the internet google are always looking for new ways to do it it's like when um instagram became a really really popular spot for news several years ago it took a while for organizations big media and news organizations like the bbc and others to pivot and get into that kind of that sort of short form video space i think everybody now knows that short form video is absolute 
the boss of the internet but it's about when others will adapt and we'll 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 we'll, we'll sort of get into that space i mean there's a, everything in google's power to be the search engine of short form video content if that's what they chose to pivot into but currently i guess they're happy where they are until they realize that their 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 kind of entire existence is potentially at threat is there an aspect of trust and authenticity involved in this too nowadays with google the first results are sponsored or affiliated links but at least with tiktok and instagram you get to see recommendations from real people yeah you make a really interesting point actually that authenticity is the key here and maybe that we are losing trust in google and seeing that um it's being really skewed by advertising in the search terms but we've seen a massive uh influx of advertisers and advertising to instagram over the last few years and that doesn't seem to have damaged its trust with uh the user base now arguably the user base of tiktok has grown much much quicker but it is that authenticity that that gen z's really love it's the fact that you're looking to real people giving you real advice uh, you know telling you the news as they see it that's why it's become so popular whatever happens next one thing is clear google needs to act fast if they want to keep up with the times still to come on the sunday 7 are your kids vaping and the oldest known predator has been found in leicestershire The UK vaping market is worth more than 1 billion pounds a year, but public health experts are warning that child vaping risks are becoming a public health catastrophe in the UK. Despite it being illegal to sell the devices to under-18s, research indicates a steep rise in the underage vaping over the last 5 years, with a proportion of 16 to 18-year-olds who say they use e-cigarettes doubling in the past 12 months alone. To find out more about the health implications of this, we spoke to Linda Bold, professor of public health at the University of Edinburgh, amongst other top Professor Bold has conducted a number of studies on vaping and smoking over more than 20 years. So professor, why are so many young people vaping right now? Well, let's put it into context. The numbers are still relatively low. The vast majority of young people are not vaping even though they're familiar with vaping products. I think the reasons why we've seen an increase is that some people who are vaping and who are teenagers are also smoking. So there is an increased use amongst those who are smokers. Um, but there is also an increase amongst those who've never smoked and i think what's driving the recent im- increase in particular is the wide availability of new products particularly disposable vaping products and there are a couple of key brands available in the uk and when the survey that i mentioned asked young people how they were getting hold of these products the most common way was to purchase them in a shop Now we have an age of sale in the UK of 18 and over for vaping so young people teenagers shouldn't be able to buy these products in shops and that's something we need to take more action on. It's also possible that people are seeing more online advertising in particular and that's something we also need to address. What are the real dangers of young people vaping? Is it just the nicotine addiction? Nicotine in itself is not harmful to health, but it is addictive. And um, and we don't want young people to be using a drug that is habit forming, that means they're going to be using products that potentially have some risks and also that they need to spend their money on. So nicotine addiction or nicotine dependence is something we do need to keep our eyes on. In relation to health risks from e-cigarettes, there are certainly chemicals in vaping products where we don't know the full long-term health harms. Now again, these toxicants and potential carcinogens are at far lower levels than in tobacco, 
but they're not zero. Um, and so particularly we're concerned that there may be some chemicals in some of the flavorings for vaping products that could cause long-term harm, particularly to lung health. The other challenge is that these are still relatively new products. They've only been on the UK market since 2010, 2011. And because very few people who've never smoked use vapes regularly, we simply do not have studies in never smokers who regularly vape who've been followed up over time. So we don't understand the health risks in those groups. Public Health England has said e-cigarettes are around 95% less harmful than tobacco. Is vaping still better than smoking? Absolutely. If all regular smokers switched tomorrow to vaping products, we would save many, many lives and we would reduce the, the cost to the National Health Service for treating smoking-related diseases. So the data on the relative safety of vaping compared to smoking has not changed. It's pretty clear. When we look at studies that have measured the toxicants and carcinogens in vaping products, they're at far lower levels than in cigarettes. Not, low, not zero, but at lower levels. And so they are a risk reduction tool, but it's really important to emphasize that vaping products are for people who smoke, who are trying to quit smoking or cut down their smoking with a view to quitting. Or indeed, there are people who perhaps were long-term smokers who are continuing to vape after they've quit in order to avoid going back to cigarettes. That's what we need to use vaping products for. How does the public health response to vaping need to change? I think we need to crack down on illicit, illegal sales. So in other words, um, we know there's a market for products that are not passing these regulations that I stated and young people can get hold of those. And then we also need to make sure that we are policing or taking a very clear approach to the age of sale regulation. And then again, we need to look at the activities of some of these companies, particularly in relation to online promotion, and make sure that there aren't any loopholes. Finally, we need more research on e-cigarettes. We have a lot already that looks at their relative risks compared to smoking and finds them significantly less harmful. But we do need more studies with people who've never smoked who vape. Now, those people are actually pretty difficult to find. In other words, never smokers who vape over an extended period. We have tried to find more of them in recruitment and studies, but there are relatively few. Um, but we do need to engage with that group so that we can really encourage them to take part in research so we can understand the risks separate from tobacco and make better informed choices about regulation in the future. A 560 million year old fossil found in the United Kingdom has been identified by scientists as the earliest known animal predator. Researchers found the 560 million year old specimen at Sharnwood Forest in Leicestershire and it's believed to be an ancient relative of the modern day jellyfish. The fossil has been named Aurora Illumina Attenborough in honour of Sir David Attenborough who used to hunt for fossils as a child in Sharnwood Forest. Early history of animal life is very poorly understood and that's most because there are very few fossils preserved at that time. This fossil pushes back one of the modern groups of animals by 20 million years further back into time and that's the group that included the sea anemones, uh, the jellyfish and the corals. That was paleontologist Phil Wilby from the British Geological Survey talking to the BBC. It's understood this specimen lived in shallower water than other fossils found here. It's different from anything else around the world as it has a skeleton with densely packed tentacles. So we know that the animal had a stalk and a cup and on top of that or within that cup 
um, was a polyp, very much like a sea anemone with lots of lots of tentacles that it used to catch food. It's a key tie point in the evolution of animal life. So for the first time, we're able to say at 560 million years ago, there was a group of animals that looked just like modern animals that had skeletons that were predators and that were colonial there were lots of them living together that's a really really big thing still to come on the sunday seven what all this sunshine could mean for your dinner plate and just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water right after this you're listening to the sunday seven follow us for your weekday news espresso or maybe try our uk edition it's all in the usual places For a country known for its rain, England isn't seeing very much of it. The nation's water supply relies on a medley of reservoirs, lakes and underground stores. They get topped up by rainfall before it's collected, treated and then pumped into homes. The UK uses around 14 billion litres of water every day and over the next 20 years, drier weather is forecast to reduce supply by around 600 million litres per day. Natural springs are at their lowest levels in years and it's not rained properly in months. That's bad news for farmers, where there should be lush green pasture for animals to graze, a lack of rain has left brown fields and barren earth. This is what happened at Nuncote Nook Farm as farmer Keith Stones explained to Sky News the impact this is having on his sheep. There is so, so little vegetation, green, nutritious grass of any sort for them to graze. And there's quite a lot of ground to, to go out in, you know, in this field in the shape of a big straight to run at, but there's just nowhere anywhere left where there's any grass growing. They're not producing milk for the lambs. The lambs are needing milk. They're still dependent on the mothers. So they're, again, quite thin. They're not growing like they should be growing. They're pot-bedded and looking very miserable and sad. Farmers like Keith say that if this current dry spell continues, food security can be guaranteed. And officials have now warned that swathes of England may face drought as soon as August if the hot and dry weather persists. Dr Will Lang is from the Met Office and says there's no guarantee of more rain to come. It looks like there'll be a lot of dry weather around in the next few weeks, especially for the southern half of the UK at least, with the bulk of any significant rainfall. Um, in the far north and northwest. With forecasts warning of another heat wave next week in the UK, extreme temperatures driven by climate change is prompting calls for urgent action. Australia's environment is in a shocking state. They've lost more mammal species than any other continent and have one of the worst rates of species decline. This is according to an environmental report released by the government. The State of the Environment report, completed every five years, revealed that fires and floods turbocharged by climate change combined with mining, pollution and invasive species have left Australia's environment in a state of crisis. On top of this, a lack of solid environmental management frameworks has also contributed to the near collapse of close to 20 ecosystems. Australia losing more mammals than any other continent in the world is a national shame. That's Freya Cole, the spokesperson for the Australian Conservation Centre, speaking with the BBC. We're losing species that are unique to this continent. So we're talking about the bandicoot, for example. There is nowhere else in this world that we can find the bandicoot. So once it's gone, it is gone. 
and environmentalists and conservationists are incredibly concerned after the release of this report. In this report, there's a stark contrast to previous ones. Scientists are now documenting widespread impacts of climate change. As marine ecologist Emma Johnston explained to Australia's ABC News, many of the problems identified in the report are long-standing and neglected. Land clearing hasn't declined significantly. Invasive species are still a major issue and we are seeing more species and ecosystems being listed as threatened. There's been a recent change in government in Australia and many are hopeful that with the new government comes promising change. Still, campaigners like Freya Cole from the Australian Conservation Centre are anxious that a much greater effort is needed. There is a real sticking point here in Australia and that's fossil fuels. The federal government still has a huge reliance on fossil fuels. They are approving new coal and gas and we simply can't allow it to happen especially in this decade. We are seeing climate change having a huge impact, not just here in Australia, but around the world. To find out that there in the UK, you're having temperatures nearing 40 degrees, that is not normal. We are in a climate crisis. So we are calling on the Australian government and governments right around the world to phase out coal and gas because we need to transition rapidly to renewable energy. It's that time of year again, shark season. With Discovery Shark Week just kicking off, there's no better time to revisit your aquatic curiosities. Oh my gosh, Tristan, there's a huge white shark. Oh wow, amazing! In Jaws versus Kraken, Dr. Tristan Guttridge finds out how white sharks might be butting heads with giant squid and losing. Mexican scientists here have started to see evidence of scarring on some of these big white sharks, suggesting that they are having these titanic battles with one of the most mysterious creatures on the planet. The Impractical Jokers bring the laughs with their Shark Week Spectacular. Hold on, listen, 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 you hear that? <laughs> they give us the keys to Shark Week once. <laughs> once. And they're like, what do you want to do with it? And this idiot is like, go get me a Bluetooth speaker and some dolphin noises. <laughs> and don't miss Island of the Walking Sharks to get an insight into one of the rarest walking cat sharks on Earth. Look at those markings. This looks nothing like any epaulette shark we or most people have ever seen before. All I've seen are the diagrams. They do not do it justice. This thing is stunning. Look at this little animal. Look at this. Tune in to Discovery and Discovery Plus as they head into the deep for Shark Week. This has been the Sunday 7. However you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with a regular Smart 7 Ireland edition. Have a great rest of the weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Kira from the Smart 7 Ireland edition. Just to let you know, we're pausing this podcast from Friday the 25th of August, but you can still get up to speed in just seven minutes if you search the Smart 7 and catch up with our UK edition. Thanks for listening.